The theme for the afternoon talk is the controller. We were sitting in the kitchen uh, uh, yesterday and I was hearing, um, yesterday or today, but hearing a little bit about um, one of the uh, directions of the uh, car industry uh, here in uh, Germany. And because of the uh, current crisis, the growing concerns about uh, oil uh, running out in the not too many uh, decades, etc. It seems that one of your uh, major car uh, companies, uh, uh, BMW, which seems to have such a good uh, reputation, is in the process of devising a car which will not uh, require any petrol or oil and it will somehow rather generate energy within itself to uh, keep on moving. Uh, and clearly in such a, a specialist and such uh, engineer, engineering knowledge and expertise, the thought did occur to me that in BMW uh, the B definitely doesn't stand for British. <laughs> and, <clears throat> and so sometimes we look at the world uh, uh, around and all of this uh, remarkable equipment that human beings are able to put together and how externally we appear to be able to exercise enormous uh, precision and therefore control over circumstances. My uh, nephew um, is a, a, pi a pilot and his uh, work is um, flying small uh, aircraft in Western Australia. And I said, said to him, well, if you do the proper number of hours then you can move to bigger planes and then eventually to these huge uh, jets which take four or five hundred passengers uh, to fly around uh, the world. And he said to me, I don't want to do that. He said, because on those planes there's nothing for the pilot to do. And it just reflects the extraordinary uh, expertise and, and knowledge in computers and all that information. It seems to be a somewhat different story when we look at our own life, the immediacy of our own life, our relationship to ourselves, and also uh, our relationship to each other, and how the skill of control uh, and precision in one area can generate uh, confusion, pain, anguish, and difficulty in another. So the exploration of the self in its uh, variety of appearances and constructs certainly must, for all of us, uh, must uh, include the appearance of the self in the form, in samkara, in the form of the controller there. And it's rather vital that in the various roles that you and I have in our daily life is their misplaced uh, tendencies, habits and conditionings 
entering into the engagement with life, either with ourselves or with others, in which the factor or the conditioning of control, control over, inner and outer, is actually unhealthy, unwholesome, unnecessary, what else? Inappropriate, unskillful, I think you get the point. So it's a target, it's a, sorry, it's a responsibility and uh, rather uh, major for one for us to see how it shows. What I would like to do in the talk is just speak a little bit both at the outer level and also at the, uh, at the inner level. And at the outer level, I have in mind here specifically our reference, the reference of our relationship and connection with others where control uh, enters into it and also and equally with ourselves and I'll just take the outer for a moment sometimes as we know it is pathological and in its pathological ex- uh, uh, expression there is the uh, exercise of control over and, it, and in its form and expression it does not allow any alternative that the tendency with the uh, arrogance, the conceit, the bullying, the willpower to have control over a circumstances is therefore correspondingly intolerant of any other view. And in the old Buddhist text, <coughs> there's um, um, often the conflict or the wars and one can use this in archetypal terms, between uh, Vepachiti and Sukha. And in the mythology of uh, the Buddha Dharma, Vepachiti, he is the demon who is the lord of the Azuras, and his big issue is having control. And he is regarded, contemporary language, as the supreme control freak. (laughs) Contemporary language, you there. And the Pichiti, the the leader of the uh, Zuras, takes this view and therefore expects and demands that all others who are around him and close to him submit to his control, that he doesn't allow anything else. And Vepachiti, of course, keeps reappearing, as we know, throughout history, in politics, and in economics, and in social forces, and, and in families, and individuals' lives. So it's not like Vepachiti is just two and a half thousand years ago, but it's constantly uh, re- reappearing and re have a whole uh, variety uh, variety of them and and then there is sukha uh, sorry saki and saki is the complete opposite and saki believes in kindness and believes in generosity and believes in being friendly and easy going and he's the leader of the happy gods the devas and so these two, 
sometimes you get this in the household you'll pick it up in a minute or two and sometimes you get the pituti in the household and sukha so one is one saki one wants it nice and relaxed chilled out cool happy etc and the other is trying to have control and these two forces in human life as as part of the mythology are regularly in conflict with each other and with these two sometimes the controller wins and sometimes the soft kindly uh, voice of Saki within us wins and sometimes that as I say goes on outwardly and it also goes on uh, inwardly there are some features of the controller and the features of the controller means that uh, it doesn't have the voice um, its own self-existence that meaning in other words it doesn't arise out of nothing but it arises out of our history it arises from our tendencies and backgrounds and it's vital for us to be able to see what form or what expression and where it's coming from and as always the inquiry is what is the conditioning that makes for a problem what is the conditions inside of us that makes for the controller who is intolerant and that uh, movement uh, of that and one of the key factors and <coughs> be a rare day I don't have some discussion with someone on this kind of theme one of the clear factors in all of this is fear where there's control there will be fear and where there is fear the shadow which is often not very far away will be anger so when you and I caught up in the self in the form of the controller one of the ways that it will manifest itself will be in the form of aggression aggression is the desire to control and the more violent the aggression the stronger the controller and this reactivity this conditioning which uh, emerges out of us places enormous amount of pressure on the other or others there whether it's in the workplace or in the home place or, or in in a friend but it also and equally burns up in inside of ourselves happiness contentment peace of mind clarity wisdom love everything that's worth experiencing that's the power of the controller it, it will the, the uh, cost is outward and the cost is inward and that and as I say so anger and fear are never far away from the controller they are two of the forces which accompany it and another and it's widespread and typical uh, uh, of course is the idea and it's a very strong human idea that also goes with it is the belief in what is good is it this this is the strange phenomena about the controller the controller has the idea that i know what's good for you you know we we're absolutely we have persuaded ourselves and if only you would see what I'm saying 
you would r realize how clear I am. And this is the controller. So the controller carries a, a view or a version uh, that he or she is right. Um, and this is really important. This is uh, clear. Um, this is how things should be done or how they shouldn't be done. And therefore, this is the best way. And all of that formation of that inner, inner life extends itself upon another or others and we can't make it out why without control freak issues why other people are not falling down on their knees with enormous gratitude <laughs> for our unresolved control issues <laughs> such a phenomenon we are but also the other aspect of all of this of course and this movement, and remember this movement of control has enormous impact on life and human life and sentient existence. It's, it's, you know, it's a deeply, uh, a deep problem, it's an epidemic, of ep epidemic scale. Is one of the most difficult things I, I think you will find and I will find is we may not have that tendency. People may say of us, Oh, that we're not control freaks, we're not into control issues. But sometimes we are in the voice of the Saki. And in other words, we're nice, we're very kind, we never say a bad word about anybody, we're very gentle. What else? Oh yes, of course, we meditate. <laughs> um, <laughs> we eat vegetarian food, we like going for a a lovely walk in the nature, uh, etc. And all of that kindness, the, 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 the realm of the devas, the realm of the light, gentle beings, and all of those forces, simply can't cope with the control freaks. That's the difficulty. And that's why the conflict goes backwards and forwards. And therefore, if you and I are one of those nice, kind, gentle, loving meditators, the probability is somewhere in our life we will find ourselves with uh, vapachiti, that means that the control freak, that, that the azur, the demon of the controllers. Sometimes we marry one, you know, just to <laughs> really increase the quality of our practice. <laughs> Who knows where, where they come from? Sometimes it's at work or it's it's in the college, or it's in the, 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 the people in, with our, with our neighbours who insist on growing as big a tree as possible so there's absolutely no chance of any sunlight in one's back garden. You know, they, they appear everywhere. How do we, when we're on the receiving end of, of uh, the self in the form of the controller, how do we respond uh, to that. And sometimes, of course, what we find in all of that is that it seems our kindness and our gentleness easily is just walked upon. It's stamped upon. And very easily, the effect of that is we become withdrawn, we feel oppressed, we feel sorry for ourselves, and we feel helpless. 
when there is a lot of pressure from outside and it's being forced upon us, the self which is under pressure will not be able to deal with it through niceness. And will not be able to deal with it through trying just to be kind. And the outcome of that kind of pressure, constantly being told we're wrong, we're not doing it properly, we're not good enough, we have to change, all those voices that can impact, the impact, the consequences of, of that is, we start to feel sorry for ourselves. therefore the self then, uh, as the effect of the controller, identifies itself as a victim. As a victim. So the controller suffers through all that she or he loses through their habits and patterns of behavior. And the one who's on the receiving end uh, suffers, suffers through feeling oppressed and feeling helpless. And it's an enormous task for all of us to really watch and really work with these two forces. And we can, you know, we can all put it down to childhood and the, and the family constellation and the parental issues, etc., etc. And that may, may help to get an insight into the process. But still, nevertheless, there is still the controller, there is still the feeling of being controlled or dominated, and somewhere in those two selves, we have to find some other way to look. And that's a, a, a huge challenge for anybody. And I say it's such a common issue, this, this one, that I feel it's really worthy of a practice and an attention to it, and perhaps here, making some time for some reflection there. And sometimes, in small ways, it enters into... Um, uh, one views it with a, um, a momentary note observation, um, for, exa- for example, I'm t- taking a small, a small example. <clears throat> I went to um, out the other evening. I went to this. I mentioned yesterday to listen to this uh, talk, this uh, lecture on the the archetype of snakes. Snakes have a in the uh, the underworld, shall we call it? Use Jungian language. Have a tremendous significance, and certainly in the tradition of uh, the East, as well as in other cultures, uh, the snake is an incredibly powerful and potent symbol uh, there. From the Buddha sitting in the mouth of the cobra, to the the movement uh, of uh, the snakes that arise in the dream world, which means something is happening and and going uh, on on there. And when I was um, a monk, you know, we had many, many uh, experiences because we were in the forest uh, uh, with, with snakes. And they touch all manner of places inside of us. And maybe a little bit uh, with the snakes is, it's, for those of you who have had plenty or some contact with, with snakes, they're not easy to control. And I think this is the frightening aspect about it. They're not easy to control. And if one comes in aggressively towards the snake, especially with cobras uh, uh, there, um, one's in for trouble. And I remember, if I just 
sideways uh, step for a moment. Remember, when I was a monk in the uh, um, in uh, what what China in the in the uh, in southern part of uh, Thailand, sometimes a snake would get into the hut and the, the sides of the hut. Oh, how many years were you ordained? <laughs> years. Thirteen years. Oh. What was the size of the huts? About two and a half meters, were they, Thomas? Yeah, they're about two and a half meters by two and a half meters. So there's, you know, it's a little crowded if you have a you and a snake in that in the hut to get hut together. And what we used to regularly do was to get a novice, <laughs> not because they're young, like boys, seven, eight. 10, 12 years of age and say, look, I've got a, you know, a cobra in the room, I've got a, uh, a, snake, a snake, in the, snake in the room, in the hut, do you think you get it out? And these youngsters, the novices, coming from the villages, they knew how to have a relationship with a snake. You see? In a way that, you know, I just say snake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Namaste, um, novice, very. <laughs> and the boys would come. The boy would come in, and the boy would come down to the ground to the same level as the snake. And the snake was didn't want to leave the room. It's not the hut, not like it was in a great hurry. And when the boy had to catch the head and the tail of the snake in the same moment. Not easy when you're small and it's a long snake. And I used to just stand and watch this. And there was no aggression from the novice. The novice treated it as play. That was beautiful. He'd smile, he looked, <laughs> and just follow, moving, just swaying around as the snake swayed around. And in one minute he got it. Head and tail. If you just got the tail, you're in trouble. <laughs> you're in big trouble and if you just get the head you're still in big trouble because the tail will come straight round to the wrist and then you might lose the head and then there and it just is a kind of metaphor I think these, uh, as well as a, as, a, as a fact that one has to approach problematic situations in a completely different way which is not about aggression and control and fear. It's almost a kind of incredible depth of mindfulness with almost a playful attitude towards it. A different way of feeling into a situation. And we have to explore that different way, which is neither on the one side control and nor, nor on the other side submissiveness. And sometimes those novices in the uh, in, the, in the hut with the snake which is, wow, different approach so anyway get back to my I was, so I was, t- I was going out to listen to this uh, lecture by this wonderful Jungian analyst not far from home and uh, and I was taking a rather elderly friend of mine who's um, been um, a psychotherapist, now retired for probably about 40 years and was the founder of the Gestalt uh, Centre in London, etc. And she lives, she's a good friend, she lives just a few minutes walk away from me. So when I, when I arrived at her, I don't um, uh, own, own, own a car, and, and certainly if I did it wouldn't be British. 
And um, so she has a small little car. And I arrived there. And then she said to me, you're late. And I said to her, five minutes late. She says, no, ten minutes late. (laughs) All right, ten minutes late. And the thought arose, look, I'm a friend. I'm not a client. (laughs) (laughs) That was the first thing I said to her, look, I'm a friend. Friends can arrive five or ten minutes ten minutes late. She said, but if we get there late, we won't get a decent seat and we'll be at the back. And I said, don't worry, we'll be fine. There will be seats. She said, how do you know? I said, I know, I know the place. So when we, uh, when we, actually, when we actually got there, half an hour early, by the way, despite, <laughs> my, despite my being ten minutes late to her there, we walked in, so in this large uh, room, there were two people in there. <laughs> so the good union analysts sit at the front. We were on the chairs, closer than that wretched camcorder. We were sitting, sitting right there. We, we, we got any closer, we would have been sitting on the analyst's lap, which I uh, there. And sometimes, they just use it as a very small, small, example, small example here. The voice in one role called the therapist, because clients don't turn up late for their therapy because it's, you know, it's costing them whatever a euro a minute. They're not going to turn up ten minutes late, therefore whatever sixty euros an hour, whatever it is, turn up on time. But friends turn up, you know, not Swiss time, Indian time, and uh, <laughs> well, not Indian time. It's pretty <laughs> anyway, and. And sometimes the memory and the image and the picture of the self and the habit of it is this is how it should be. And sometimes you and I in some informal circumstances the attitude is much more relaxed about it. And I think this is where sometimes one role I'm not saying with the good, good lady who am I to comment but well, a little bit. So, in one in one role, there's this is how it should be: punctuality. In another role, and the self in a different kind of condition, it may not be applicable. And we have to ask ourselves: Am I doing the same? Am I sometimes, in some situations, expecting it to be one way? And maybe it is working that way, a certain kind of precision, an engineering precision, a, a focused, concentrated precision, which can be at times appropriate there. And that mindset is then moving and carrying itself rather unmindfully, unconsciously into another situation and we're applying the same kind of principles and they're not working. We haven't realized the identity of the self in one condition called authority, called telling people what to do, called um, taking responsibility and delegating tasks, say the workplace. And that mindset, the samkaras, the formations, the application of authority, 
easily and, and not realizing as well then carries over into another circumstance where it's completely inappropriate where it puts pressure in this case on loved ones or on children or on, on friends and one simply has not realized the skillful application as the Buddha said timely application of attention so there is timely application of our attention in specific situations and we have to have enough sense of change of impermanence of letting go of moving on so that in a fresh situation then there is timely application of that and it's vital aspect I hear because if the, in one area where authority is valid and another area where it's shared authority and it's moved over into that area it will bring as night follows day it will bring resentment unwise unskillful application of authority with an element of control in it to others will bring resentment and negativity and doubt to the other person sure as night follows day it will do and even when you know may exercise authority with some control and we make others do what our will says they should do because we can threaten them with whatever it might be throw them out fire them uh, um, ignore them for the next 10 years or whatever it might be I'm talking about the home life here no no <laughs> that even though we may get others to conform to our will and that person she or he or they do our bidding as we say in English there the resentment will grow and when the resentment grows there will be a sabotage of other situations for us it will jeopardize the friendship and in fact one's authority will be undermined because it's, the authority hasn't come from a place of wisdom and love and support and caring and it's an enormous challenge and task and plenty of us in this room in our respective lives you know, have places of authority but it's vital to see what supports it and where there's fear and anger there will be control and where there's an absence of fear and anger there will be clarity there will be co clear communication and there will be love and vision and genuine cooperation between people and it's enormous as I say task with us sometimes in the package called the controller that goes uh, uh, with it um, there's another uh, factor that goes along when we're trying to uh, make the, our world inner world and outer world and go to the inner world for a moment or uh, two 
is it is the strong tendency, and this is um, in the spiritual circles. This one runs riot in our uh, inner life, and these kind of teachings, every kind of teaching has, as we say in English, it's Achilles heel. You know Achilles from Greek mythology. And um, he said, he was said to be immortal because he was hung or held by his uh, foot and dropped in the well of immortality. And, what's his name? Achilles? Yeah. And only the heel didn't go in. And then some other figure in Greek mythology fired the arrow and it hit him in the heel and uh, and, if, and he died, he was mortal there and some situations, and I just use it as a small uh, uh, example, one of the shadows of uh, these kind of uh, practices is for some is the tendency towards perfectionism and and if there is a tendency in this direction, as sure uh, a whole variety of ways it will emerge. And so there's a picture, there's an image, either inwardly or outwardly, of how things should be, etc. And there's a certain kind of desire that sometimes we have for order order in our mind order I don't know I mean these days it doesn't happen very often but in the, old, in the old days friends would come round and just you know knock on the door you know, and come in and have a cup of tea these days you have to make an appointment you know, you know is it, do you think I can have you got time in the afternoon of November the 23rd for a <laughs> cup of tea between 3 and 3.20 you know we live in this ordered world uh, that we uh, get exposed to but then time's gone by there used to be people used to just you know, when I was a, a, a child in the good old days of nostalgia you know people were just in and out of each other's home we lived on a poor council house uh, estate in, in England I don't think you have this quite the same in Germany, but in England, another sideways step, the class structure, which is the great pathology of English society, was so formulated that after the war here, they built huge, I always lived on one of them, I know, huge um, housing estates, and that's where they put the poor. So you built these cheap houses with little gardens all strung together and then you had a section and that's where the poor were. And then all these other houses um, for the middle classes and that would be another whole section. And then you would have the nice expensive houses for the, for the rich and shameless. And, um, <laughs> and, and that would be in another kind of uh, uh, section. So class was not only deeply rooted in the voice there. Not only deeply rooted in the schooling and the education, but it was actually deeply rooted in the formations of the houses uh, that takes place. And they're just beginning, after a century, 
in England. They're just beginning to have a little conversation about this. Oh, Harry Orme, they're waking up. Marvellous news. And so these kind of structures, so when I was a child in the housing estate, one of the blessings of it was this informality that takes place. But nowadays, because of this order that we've all programmed it into, somebody knocks on the door. I notice sometimes myself, somebody knocks on the door. And the first thought I have is, I might be in the kitchen, in the dining room, Nicole knows the room, you know, is it tidy? Is that, you know, you know, are there papers lying around on the floor, you know, and CDs on top of the, of the player, and have I, have I done the washing up? You know, it's like, is the person coming to inspect the house? <laughs> you know, or are they just coming to have a cup of tea with me? Why should they be bothered, and why should I be bothered? But I was looking, oh, better pick the paper up the floor. I mean, it's, you know, they might vomit if they see a paper on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> immediately... Place has to look orderly, neat, and tidy. They're not—they're not health inspectors. <laughs> just dropping by. Oh, I just thought, hello, Christopher. Just sort of drop by and say hello and see how you are. And I just say it's a reflection of control. It's a reflection of the idea, the impression in our in our mind that everything should be nice, neat, tidy, and orderly. And I, I always re- remember one of. Uh, the um, students um, of mine um, on a on a Zen retreat, and uh, he would go to see uh, the Zen master, mm-hmm. Japanese, Korean, or whatever, and would uh, uh, knock knock on the door, and the very and then there'd be a f- quite a few seconds would go by, and then the door would slowly uh, open. And then Zen master would say very please come in for the very short interview sometimes those of you who have done Zen retreats you know you can be given the koan and then you give some answer and out you go and this friend of mine said he was just amazed this was in a Zen center that when he went into the Zen master's room everything was absolutely Not a single extra thing in the room. Everything perfectly in place, you know, with a, a hospital cleanliness that would make hospitals jealous. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think the person had said this because he'd probably come to my room. <laughs> <laughs> I assume, I assume he was some unconscious comparing. <laughs> And he asked me what I thought about it. And I said, basically, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Some people's homes are just full of stuff everywhere. Everywhere. Every single place full of shelves and everything imaginable. You couldn't, as we say in English, swing a cat in there. We're we're Buddhists, we don't swing cats. (laughs) But you know what I mean. And and some people live like that. And that's their place. 
and others of us, you know, more in the minimalist category, we'd have just much less, and, and uh, etc. there. But how quickly, where there's issues of control coming in, where there's an idea of perfectionism, where there's an impression of how things should be, outwardly and inwardly, how quick the judgments come. How quickly we make up our mind based on our belief system of how things should be. And all of that is a feature of the controller. Judgmental mind, perfectionism, anger, fear, all of those kind of uh, constructs. And we just need to, um, as my, my daughter said to one of her friends recently, just need to lighten up. That's what, lighten up, she said. Hopefully not too aggressively, because it's... <laughs> but lighten up. Lighten up with the view. Lighten up with each other. Listen to each other uh, a little bit more. And just to catch, and hopefully with a little humour in ourselves, when we feel we've got ourselves caught. Fear, anger, intolerance, judgment, because of the backlash that comes from it, as much as the cost to ourselves. Just finally in this uh, um, uh, area, because of how things from different roles move from one role to the other or one uh, 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 situa- situation to, to another, how much, uh, sp- how important spaciousness is and the element of spaciousness much appreciated by uh, all of us is really an area of meditating upon inquiry into clarity and wisdom about and in the old text akasha which is the word for space that as the Buddha says there is a a realm uh, of infinite space in our language infinite spaciousness and if you and I can cultivate that and develop that and explore that then the relationship to events changes dramatically but we need a very deep sense of inner space for that to arise in other words when the self is small restricted narrow dictatorial when there's the, 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 the fascist inside of us, either beating ourselves up or the, uh, or the external, there's a lack of space. And when it, when it's uh, with regard to ourselves, we can judge ourselves, this is the controller here, incredibly harshly that we can be a dictator on ourselves. And that would indicate to us narrowness, a restricted view, a tightness, a lack of space. So a practice, and it's a very important uh, practice for all of us, is really to cultivate a real spaciousness. And to really ask and question in ourselves, is there any area of my life, my inner life, as well as my outer life, which I really need to be much more spacious about. And what is that area? 
or what are those uh, areas is there any areas in my relationship to others where I'm just not spacious around her or him or them is there areas of my inner life which I'm just not spacious around and therefore when it whatever it is arises and I start giving myself a really hard time over and really putting myself down then I do need to ask myself what is a spacious way of looking at this how can I look at this situation in a much more sorry, spacious and expansive way and I need to ask myself the question if I want to bring some change around me how can I what's a spacious way of being able to do that I need to attend to that if I've got perfectionism it makes it very very hard if I've got an idea and I want myself and others to fit to my idea and I put in pressure it makes it extremely hard you know and sometimes we know we can come into the uh, um, meditation hall here or in your room or wherever it might be and all too human how quickly the views about anything arise any, any, anything very very quickly so sometimes one's got the idea windows should be closed there's a draft someone else has the idea windows really should be open we need some fresh air somebody else has the idea windows should be a little bit open <laughs> and someone else says the idea well all of them should be more open all of them closed etc so the thought arises and the thoughts of the good people down one line can be similar and dissimilar and those over, over here you might be feeling that, that not after another five minutes they're going to die from lack of oxygen you know or, or the draft is coming etc it's not possible that everybody feels satisfied it's not possible that and so sometimes the the sitting ends and there's a stampede over there to get some fresh air in etc (laughs) and others are sitting here and looking for their winter coats (laughs) it's just not possible in this world that everybody gets what we want and part of the practice in all, uh, all of this and it's the event and the metaphor again the part of the practice is how can we handle things skillfully what are the ways that we can be spacious uh, around uh, there in which we have the opportunity to express how we would like open the window, close the window whatever it, uh, uh, it, it might be but also watching for what else might go with it <clears throat> for against as the Zen tradition says the mind's worst disease and it's a real practice for, uh, for all of us to look at life clearly to see these uh, opponent forces that can take place uh, in our life and especially with the theme of today really looking 
what's a skillful way when the uh, uh, controller has entered into the, the dynamic of a communication and the impact, what's going to change that? And what is going to change for us if we're on the receiving end? And that exploration of those uh, two major areas of life is a huge task as an authentically liberating process for both concerned the controller and the one on the receiving end called the controlled may all beings live with awareness may all beings explore the dynamics of the self may all beings realize a liberating process so let's just have a quiet minute